Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a very special episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Welcome back. I'm so thrilled that you've joined us again this week. And of course, we have another top five on the docket for you. I am very, very excited for tonight's episode. This is definitely like a personal list for me. And there's a lot of personal stuff going on tonight because not only is it a personal list for me and the topic is very near and dear to me, this is a very selfish list that I'm doing tonight. Uh, But I also got one of my best friends in life, like an actual real life best friend of mine. And we've known each other from since our college years. God whiz, like 25 years, maybe, maybe even more. I think we're on 26. 26 years. I mean, what the hell? I mean, nobody's known me that long. (laughs) The only one that was in the running was my cat, and she passed away like five years ago. Oh, I hope I don't do the same. (laughs) So now you're, yeah, you're not in good company. I don't know. But Wiz, Chris Wiz, you've heard him before, although it's been a while. He was on the old show a couple times, and he's come back and done a couple of top fives in the interim. He's a patron of the show. He's Like I said, he's a friend of mine in real life. I just love this dude. He's not too far away, but with COVID, we just haven't had a chance to share man space together that much uh, lately, Wiz. But here you are back on the show, man. How are you? I'm doing great, Gerald. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. So you're you're a working dude. You got, you got well, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, Wiz. You got too many kids. I mean, it's ridiculous. Are you, aren't you catching up with me, though? <laughs> I think you're you're like one behind now. Yeah, that's true. I, I can't say too much, I guess. But uh, I know, yeah, yeah. Like uh, like five years ago, that would have been a good joke. But I think uh, <laughs> I just keep using the same material. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, which is one of my you know part of my charm, I guess. <laughs> well, so, that's why I keep listening, just for the same <laughs> jokes over and over again. <laughs> you're like he's doing this again this week, and it's still not funny. But I'm gonna keep doing it. Um, well, Wiz, you know you're not too far away. We're both in North Carolina, and. Mm-hmm. You know, Kurt Cobain passed away in April, and that's kind of why I decided to do this episode in conjunction with kind of the anniversary of his death when he, you know, tragically left us. And we'll tell everyone what it is we're counting down tonight. What's the top five? We are going top five Nirvana songs. We are. Uh, Go ahead. I I am super. I was super excited uh, when you kind of reached out to me on this one because, uh, you know, kind of going back. I was always like the Pearl Jam guy and you were the Nirvana dude back in the 90s. And yes, there were those kind of uh, <laughs> gang uh, gang style uh, things going on back in the 90s. But uh, but I was super excited because I think over time, um, I hate to say it, but I think you may be right. You know, as much as I loved Pearl Jam back then, I'm kind of leaning towards Nirvana now. And I think uh, just maybe I didn't appreciate it in the time or I was just trying to be contrarian and go to, with Pearl Jam whenever sure. everybody else was Nirvana. Mm-hmm, but sure. uh, man, I'm super excited. Excited to, to count these down because I think I've got some a new fresh perspective in my okay. uh, in my forties. Okay, cool. Well, let's talk about that a little bit then. So yeah, we're doing our top five Nirvana songs. Any song from their catalog that was released on a studio album. Although we, I'm going to go ahead and just say up front a little asterisk. We are not doing live performances tonight. That was the only thing you and I kind of settled on beforehand. And right. a lot of and a lot of people were actually kind of pissed. <laughs> Facebook fan group. <laughs> <Were> they, were- <laughs> 
They're like, the you're mobs. not doing. Yeah, the one dude that <laughs> constantly listening to the show. He's like, you're not doing live performance. I'm not listening to this episode. I'm like, all right, bro, geez, <laughs> he's out, man. He's um, just, he's just, he's, he's just fucking uh, out. But you know, the thing is, is that they're right because if we did, I mean. I don't even know because I didn't do that list tonight. I didn't look at those tracks, but the unplugged performance alone, I feel like probably three. Oh, there, yeah, there's or, five on there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, three of my five at least would probably be from that performance. Um, so we didn't go there. We're not doing unplugged. We're not doing anything that wasn't like a studio recording of theirs. Now, let's talk a little bit about Nirvana because you mentioned Pearl Jam, and there's a lot of other bands that you know we could talk about that were in that kind of grunge movement, you know, late 80s, early 90s, obviously really throughout the whole decade of the 90s. And mm-hmm. then it kind of started to fade out where, it just kind of, you know, started to have this hodgepodge blend where it was just kind of all alternative towards the end of the 90s. But there was a great period of time between like 1989, I would say, until like 95 or 96, where it was like a very distinct kind of grunge sound. And I always, you know, gravitated towards Nirvana above all the other bands. And that was really because of Teen Spirit. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, oh, that, yeah. that was really my introduction to them. I'd heard about them and like some friends of mine that were much cooler than I was would, you know, <laughs> would talk about them prior to Teen Spirit, but I didn't really pay any attention to it. Now, as a Pearl Jam guy and as, you know, kind of a outlier, you know, as far as the 90, <laughs> when the 90s are concerned, at least. Right. Where did this fresh perspective come from? Because it is very interesting to me and I don't, I'm not doing, just so you know, I'm not doing the I told you so thing, Wiz. That's not what I'm trying to do. <laughs> but I am interested. I mean, so where did this kind of new perspective come from in, in recent years for you as far as Nirvana goes? I, you know, I think I just, at the time, it was, it, it, when it blew up, um, you know, I was really into it. I think we both heard like Teen Spirit September 91. Mm-hmm. Every Everybody was into it. And then because everybody was into it, like I said, I was trying to be like that contrarian and go, hey, what's the next band that's that's coming out? So mm-hmm. I jumped on them and kind of resented all the Nirvana fans because mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I'm going to get into other bands. So I got into like Screaming Trees and Smashing Pumpkins sure. and Mud Honey and all those other bands that were out of Seattle. Sure. Um, j- just to say, I, you know, no, Nirvana is not the only one. So I kind of fought it. And then as I was listening more and, you know, just kind of digging in a little bit deeper. And I always I had every album when it came out, like first day, all that stuff. And it just it changed for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think after uh, what was the, I forget the obviously it's not on my top five, but uh, the the song that came out like two thousand that they they released off of one of the sessions. Oh, uh, you know you're right. That kind of it? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of brought me back into it a little bit, and I just started really appreciating it and just kind of just digging in deeper. You know, and it's interesting to hear that point of view too because I, I understand that one hundred percent. I respect that and I I get it because in a roundabout way that was really Kurt's viewpoint too because there were many interviews and you know things that he did and said that are noted and are recorded that you know he he didn't like his band like he didn't think they Mm -hmm. were he didn't think they deserved a lot of the fame and recognition they got especially as fast as they got it Um, you know it was a meteoric rise to fame for them as a band I mean it happened you know overnight's maybe a stretch but it happened very very quickly for them uh, when Nevermind was on the horizon so it's interesting to hear that take because i feel like these are very similar things to what kurt would have said like in the late 80s early 90s is like you know the screaming trees you know he idolized mud honey he idolized uh sonic youth you know they they idolized and kind of like so i mean you're saying a lot of the similar kind of things that you know the leader of this band was saying (laughs) which i feel like is really telling now it's a product of where we were in our life, right? I mean, we were in high school. We were feeling rebellious. Teenagers in general typically feel rebellious. I'm sure you're going through that right now, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, four times over. So you got these guys on stage, and 
on these albums and just screaming and you know smashing their instruments obviously getting blitzed most likely and we mm-hmm. know we know drugs were involved especially in Kurt's case <laughs> yes i mean they're just reckless it's just mayhem uh it's it's a musical version of just chaos and mayhem and i was really attracted to it um the songwriting I thought was tremendous too, especially when I was listening to it as it was happening. I was like, wow, this is the fucking greatest. This is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, And now looking back on it, I do still respect it, but I feel like it was more so just like, just such a visceral uh, sound that was something that not only myself, but really the world was just not used to at that point in the early nineties, especially if you're looking at like, you know, album sales and like popularity. Right. I mean, yeah. even when you're talking I, about your Pearl jams, they were a much more polished sound. I felt like, Oh yeah. And I think that's what maybe even I gravitated towards at the time was that, that like cleaner sound. Um, but I think, I, I appreciate the messiness that mm-hmm. was, you know, uh, you know, Nirvana, and what the, what the, that stood for and their you know that that was their desire that's what they were going for and they man they achieved it 10 times over so uh just i mean i guess i i didn't appreciate the messiness at the time but mm-hmm. now i do yeah i get it man and I, you know i'm with you i you know i've been I, you know i've been on the bad wagon for decades but i love you know like i mean for example my daughter's going to be 20 this year and out of nowhere i see her the other day and she has on a nirvana t-shirt <laughs> And I'm just like, nice. okay. And you see kids, you know, all the oh, time. Yeah. They're at Target. Yeah, you sure. Know, the shirts are at Target and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. It's, and- it's but it's fun to see them. And, and I, you know, my kids are wearing, you know, the, the rock and roll T-shirts. Rock and roll. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're fucking um, old, Wiz. Yes, like, I know. We should tell everyone pre-recording. We're like looking at each other on a video chat. Like, what do I hook up? What's what's happening? I Why can't I hear myself? Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, but, but yeah, I see them with the with the the rock t shirts, and uh, it's it is nostalgic and it's nice and it's fun. It's it's fun to see them uh, kind of catch on with things that uh, that we grew up with. I mean, I guess it's like when I wore a Zeppelin shirt, yeah, you know, yeah. and my dad appreciated that. Yeah, exactly, and like Beatles and stuff like that. You know, our parents yeah, are yeah. like, oh wait a minute, you know who the Beatles are? It's like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm your kid, of course I do. So yeah, I, I agree with you in that respect. You know, so I said that this was a personal and a kind of a selfish list for me. I've been putting this off. This is the fifth year of the podcast, and we're finally getting around to doing our favorite Nirvana songs. And oh, I'm honored. Yeah, man. It, it's been on my mind forever because as a lot of regular listeners will know, and as, as you will know, as a friend of mine, they are definitely my favorite rock band of all time. If I had to pick one, uh, which I don't really like to do because there are so many different bands that I love so, so much. But if I could only pick one, it would be Nirvana, uh, which is kind of funny and ironic too, because they have such a short uh, you know, they were only around for, I mean, really six or seven years. I mean, really putting oh, out, yeah. putting out, you know, n- you know, new stuff, so to speak. And then, like you said, a lot of the stuff came out after the fact. But Kurt Cobain died on April 5th, 1994. Uh, he died, of course, by suicide. Now, are, do you buy into the kind of conspiracy theories with Courtney and all that or no? Are you one of those people? Uh, no, no. Okay, I, right. I I did watch all the, I've, I've read, I've uh, watched some of the documentaries. There's really not that much evidence to say no. that uh, that it was uh, some kind of conspiracy. So I'm going to go with what the coroner said and uh, yeah, you know, sure. it was self-inflicted. Sure. And I mean, his life spoke to that kind of tragic ending too. So oh, that's yeah. why it never really made sense to me that they were kind of digging for something that, you know, it just didn't make any sense why they were kind of trying to find that motive that there's no reason for it. You know, his life was, you know, tragic. I mean, he, he was not happy with his life. He's in the 27 club. He died at 27 years old. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he's just a genius and a pioneer. You know, we're going to talk about some different songs tonight. You know, we, 
just so all the listeners know, in case we have any new listeners, we pick our personal favorites on this show. So it's going to be my five favorite Nirvana songs personally. Wiz brought his five favorites. So it's not going to be like the consensus, like these are the best Nirvana songs or these songs sold the most records or like whatever. Now they might be on there. You know, there might be some mentions of some of those tunes tonight. I'm sure we'll talk about them even if they're not on our list. All right, Wizard, I tell you what, man, let's take a quick promo break because we got to get into our favorite Nirvana songs when we come back. Wiz and I are going to give you our top five favorite songs from Nirvana. Everybody sit tight. My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the fifth annual live stream for The Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without, Gerald Morris and Dan Brennick. Over the past four years, the live stream for The Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference. All right, welcome back. As we discussed in our intro, my favorite band of all time is Nirvana. That is what we are discussing this evening. I, got my- <laughs> I think I discussed that it wasn't my favorite band. <laughs> well, well, you have a newfound appreciation for that. I'm just kidding. Yeah, who is your favorite band? Is you? It's not. Is it still Pearl Jam? It can't be. Is it? No, no. I don't. You know, I don't. I, the I cure. Think, the uh, cure for you. I think it's just. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm open. Okay. I was going to say the cure, but okay. <laughs> That's a top five. All right. Okay. Top five. Well, we'll do that. We'll do that list next time, I guess. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, but you do have, uh, you do love them and you have a newfound appreciation for them and they are my favorite band of all time. So uh, this is, a, I've already mentioned a very personal list for me. So I'm very excited to have an actual friend of mine on the countdown to talk about it. So I tell you what, Wiz, I'm going to let you get us started, man. What is your number five? song from nirvana okay so this is kind of cheap but and it's and i'm not gonna say it's a throwaway but Mm. i've got i've got to put it on the list because it is the thing that got me here um and it got us i think it got us both here so my number five song is the iconic smells like teen spirit okay well i'm glad it's getting some love because it's not in my top five um i think we have to talk about it tonight though so go ahead so why did you yeah that's that's what that's why i brought it up because i i think if not if i didn't make that decision to put it on there it wouldn't have been on there and it's not because it's not a great song because it again it launched it was like the you know the the song that launched a thousand bands mm-hmm. but it was it, i think it's you know at 20 some years later almost 30 years later it, 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 i've just heard it so many times and it's you know kind of lost what it had back then but what it had back then mm-hmm. is i mean it was explosive i i mean i remember hearing it for the first time i remember the visceral feeling i got when i heard it and it was it was like it was electric yeah
and everybody that heard it, it you know it was it, we were in high school again and the hallways were filled with that sound right and i just remember it and it's you know it was visceral it was you could just feel the change of what it was the you know the whitney houston the the michael jackson <laughs> the the hair bands of the of the 80s going into the 90s they were dead right and that's the, their, their music didn't exist for a short period of time when smells like teen spirit came out right they, they were gone so for that, it had to make my list, and it, it you know came in at number five. And again, probably not my favorite Nirvana song right now, mm-hmm. but it had to be on that list. Yeah, no, I mean the impact that that song had in, I mean we could say rock and roll, but really just in music. I mean there's you know a handful of songs that just you know they just transcend, they just transcend mm-hmm. genres, they transcend boundaries, and they're just an important piece of music history. And I feel like Smells Like Teen Spirit, and even maybe more as an extension, the album. Nevermind is that you know and the first few chords of that song when it was released in the early 90s particularly when the video hit oh yeah everything was i mean the next morning everything was different like Mm -hmm. you know and people you know the big hair bands of the late 80s were like literally you know in the fetal position because they're like what do we do you know what i mean it was just like you know some of them were able to endure and frankly some of them are still around but for the Mm -hmm. most part a lot of them fell off because rock and roll just changed with the sound of Nevermind and and Teen Spirit was definitely the the front runner for that so I agree with you I mean I think of any song that we will be mentioning tonight I'm glad you mentioned it just because it's the one song that like you know was a groundbreaking just revolutionary thing you know I, I don't I can't fault you man I mean it's an amazing tune I love it you know the only reason it didn't make my list was is because I guess I'm a little biased in the fact that I've just heard it so many goddamn times and yeah and I get annoyed when and I get a little snobby when I talk to somebody that might not be a Nirvana fan they'll be like oh yeah you know Teen Spirit and I'm like okay yeah <laughs> yeah Teen Spirit <laughs> yes but that's not even remotely uh you know so I love it I you know it's a bop it slaps and it's one of the greatest songs ever you know it's got to be it's got to be one of the top 100 songs of all time so great pick man so smells like teen spirit getting it started i kind of didn't expect that but i'm I'm glad you you threw it out there man thank you so what i tried to do in my top five whiz is i tried to get cute and i wanted to make sure to get a kind of multiple album representation in my list So, Uh so i did not double up in my top five from the same album okay so the song I'm choosing at number five is going to be my entry from their masterpiece album in utero, and it is Frances Farmer will have her revenge on Seattle. Yes, I'm relieving now that you're leaving. I love this song. It's track five on that album. You're familiar with this one? I am. I am. So, I mean, this song, 
it's interesting because Kurt had this kind of fascination with Frances Farmer, who right. who was an actress that was born in Seattle. She was from Seattle. She was kind of a local talent. She never really broke big, but she had a lot of like I don't know the full backstory because I didn't read her autobiography. But she has uh, she had like a mental disorder basically. So because of what she was going through mentally, she it was hard for her to keep jobs. It was hard for her to get auditions and stuff like that. And she just kind of became this pop culture legend in the Seattle area and Aberdeen, where Kurt was from as a kid. And he just became. An, you know, fascinated with her and he ended up writing the song about it and the hook in the song um, you know I love too because it relates to him you know I miss the comfort in being sad mm-hmm. uh, you know Nirvana blew up man especially by the time this album came out they were like I mean forget it man like you know hundreds of thousands of people at you know just at Wembley and like I mean you know it was insane you know what I mean he, right. could, he couldn't go anywhere he couldn't get groceries and you know he just missed the comfort of being a struggling songwriter in his shitty apartment uh, you know we knew he dealt with depression so that's where the being sad part comes from and he missed that which is crazy to think about that he would want to go back to such a you know seemingly or less desirable situation that he was in you know years prior so i love how he used her and her story and how she was kind of an outcast in the community to kind of you know associate that with his own life and the song kills too because it's got that really like and nirvana is known for this of course you know they borrow from the beatles and a lot of other kind of poppier bands that do this but they have that slow kind of like melodic beginning and then they'll have the just like boisterous grunge that comes in for the chorus and they'll have right you know what i mean they do that and this song really does that really really well and it's it's got a great melody but yeah francis farmer is is my number five how do you feel about this tune man no i i actually that that i would say top 15 for me i i did revisit you know all all the albums as i was, I was doing some research on it um i mean he well he loved francis so much i think he named his daughter after her right, um, if yeah. i'm not mistaken that's right yeah. um but uh, yeah, I remember reading the story because obviously the album comes out, and I'm like, oh, who the fuck is Francis Farmer? Um, so I did, uh, you know, kind of did that, uh, you know, 1995 or 1994 research on it. So I looked it up in the library. But uh, yeah, no, interesting, interesting story. Love that song. You know, I, I hate, and I'm looking at my list right now that uh, that I didn't put it on there because I think it, it should have been in my top five. So good choice. Thanks, man. So that's my in utero mention. Uh, I don't know if you'll have one on your list, but I love that album. You know, it was so, uh, it was just like a culmination of kind of what they had been going through with their rise of stardom. And you just kind of felt all this aggression coming out, but it also had really tender moments. Uh, obviously, like all apologies and dumb and a lot of other songs. I don't want to, you know, spoil your listening anyway but in utero i feel like is you know everybody's gonna say never mind because of like we already talked about how it kind of changed the landscape of rock you know mm-hmm. but i feel like in utero is their masterpiece because it was like just the best that they could possibly be and then as we know it ended after that so i guess right. that is the best they were going to be because they didn't make any more albums so that's my in utero mentioned francis farmer will have her revenge on seattle and we're back over to you man for your number four what do you got uh so number four I, man, I wish I would have gone like out, just picked one from each album, but I, I really couldn't because I was trying to do what we do when we do these countdowns and I've been on a couple of them and it's the ones that we love the most. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I was, I really tried to do what you did and just do, you know, kind of pigeonhole some, some songs in there. But my number five is actually again off of Nevermind. And, um, it's there, I've got a couple off of there. So it's, uh, mm-hmm. I may have one more. But uh, this is called a lounge act. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, on, man. On Nevermind. And just like what you just said uh, about the previous song, where you have that Beatlesque kind of uh, start a little bit slow, you know, get a little bit faster, and then just, you know, kind of tear it up at the end. Mm-hmm. That is lounge act, you know, to a T. Mm-hmm. It starts out, he's almost like just saying the words. Right. He's and, just talking. And right? then. <laughs> 
just it just kind of sing talking a little bit and just yeah, just sure. you know it's a, like a little relaxed it's almost like a lounge act yeah. and then the the second time he, he gets into it it's a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more and then by the end of the song yeah it's it's all out chaos yeah. and that's what i love about the song it is uh you know just the progression from the start to the end is just intriguing there's uh, there's all kinds of things about it and it's get what two minutes and 30 seconds or something yeah sure. but it, 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 it the emotions go from just still to just you know th- just a raging storm yeah i agree with you 100 this is our first crossover i don't know if there'll be more but this is coming up on my list too so i'll save a little bit of commentary for it but i absolutely adore lounge act it is mm-hmm. uh easily in my top five nirvana songs and i guess we'll find out where it follows here momentarily <laughs> but i agree i agree with your choice man and it's a great tune and you got a lot of nevermind so far so yeah i know uh, i know people are gonna love you that's for sure uh, nevermind is as we've mentioned already just a groundbreaking album so i can't say i'm too surprised so my number four is a song that flies under the radar and it actually got notoriety lately and kind of got brought back to life and i don't really know why but i hear it a lot more recently than i did in the 90s but I have an interesting story about why I love this song so much and why ultimately it ended up making my top five Nirvana songs. But it's it's actually got several titles, <laughs> which is funny too. But okay. it's but its official title is Sappy. Okay, and yeah. It, it also goes by verse chorus verse, which is what mm-hmm. it was called when I was introduced to it in 10? Yeah, yeah, no, it was, was no, that was that the one on uh, the Geffen rarities. I was gonna say I hate myself when I want to die, but that was Beavis and Butthead, um, <laughs> the Beavis and Butthead soundtrack. Uh, what right. was that on rarities? Now you got me wondering. With a pay to play, pay to play. Yes, pay to okay. play was on that. Anyway, so Sappy uh, showed up on there with the Lights Out box set uh, recently, okay. like man, like 10, 15 years ago when that came out. But what I love, why this song is on my list. Okay, now this is perfect, Kurt, where the music is very grungy. The guitars are distorted. The drums are just heavy. Dave Grohl just fucking literally like he's trying to kill the drum set. 
Uh, so it's a very loud um, number, you know what I mean, set. Right. And then these these lyrics and these words are just so melodic and so beautiful. And Kurt's doing that thing where he's just kind of like, you know, singing like a Beatles tune. It's, it's really mm-hmm. weird. It's this really, um, you know, metaphorical song about a girl who's trapped in, or a person who's trapped in a relationship. And it gives the analogy that they are living in a jar in someone's laundry room because that's the right. way the relationship is meant to feel, very claustrophobic you know very like they're a prisoner almost in their relationship and anyway that's kind of how the song plays out but the reason it made my list was uh, you know my sister Misty and uh, she was dating this guy Josh at the time and he's a great dude you know we still talk on social media and stuff and uh, we used to all hang out so we went to play pool with this like really hole in the wall uh, called the Thirsty Beaver in Charlotte North Carolina and it's uh, like the size of my garage dude I mean it's like a fucking joke that this place runs as a business okay but it's like it's like somebody's garage and they like like sell PBR there you know what I mean and they have oh my goodness. thirsty <laughs> beaver. I yeah. love it. Yeah. And they have one fucking pool table. So anyway, we're hanging out there one day. And there was this compilation disc called No Alternative, which came out. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It had a lot yeah, of... Yeah, it's got the little girl and the yeah. little kid with the, the bar across their eyes. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And all these like popular grunge alternative bands were on it. You know, uh, From Memory, Smashing Pumpkins were on it. Uh, Weezer was on it. Uh, Hole had a song on there even. And anyway, all these very popular bands from the 90s, right? Nirvana was nowhere to be seen on this compilation. And I remember thinking, what the fuck, man? Like, you know, this is this is the grunge band or whatever. Well, 20 minutes after the last song ends on No Alternative, there's a hidden track. Yes. And it's yes. called Verse, Course, Verse by Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And it's it's this song. It's sappy. So what we would do when we would go to the Thirsty Beaver is we would play that last song, which was a Smashing Pumpkins tune, I think, if I remember, or Soundgarden. I can't remember. It was one of the two. Because it would play for 20 minutes of silence, and then, and then sappy would come on. You know, everybody in the bars going, everybody in the bars going, what's wrong with the fucking jukebox? You know what I mean? We're just sitting there waiting for Sappy to come on. So I I just love those memories because every time we would go there, we would throw that on because it was, it was also really cool that you would find the no alternative compilation at a, you know, at a bar like that. It was just kind of weird, you know? Yeah, that is, that is, that is weird. (laughs) But oh, I I do. I remember those hidden songs. There are a couple albums out there that had that, you know, you just hold the fast forward or, you know, the the skip button for, you know, like 18 minutes and you'd, you'd have a song at the very, very, very end. So, yeah, I, I remember that. That's awesome. Yeah, but this is a great tune, man. It just takes me back to you playing pool with my sister and, and our mutual friends back in the day. And this is before I met you, Wes. Don't get jealous. But you would have been there, I, too, I'm sure. Uh, we had a, we had good times, man, and, uh, you know, drinking beers and listening to our grunge bands. And it was just it was it was like you were fine because, you know, social media wasn't around either. Don't forget. So yeah. <laughs> you were literally like finding this like treasure when you found out mm-hmm. that it was on no alternative. You know, you're like, oh, my God, like another Nirvana song. We thought you know we weren't going to get anything for years or whatever whatever and here's this great song so the memories of that and plus i love the song much very much as well and the message is built into it and i love the juxtaposition that happens often probably in a lot of the songs that we're going to mention tonight where kurt's singing in in one like kind of way and the song just sounds completely different behind him you know and he does and this is one of those for sure so sappy is my number yeah he was a genius of that yeah man all right so we're over to you brother what do you got at number three so number three, um, I, I veered away from Nevermind uh, just for, for a minute here, but I went with a kind of one of their most, I would say, epic songs. Um, one of the ones that uh, kind of starts, uh, it, it's not three chords. Um, it it kind of goes in a lot of different places, but it's off of Incesticide, and that is Aneurysm. Hey, uh, dude, are you cheating off my uh, test over here? I, oh, we got one coming up. Uh, another uh, I love that song crossover. as well. So now I, gotta, now I have to wonder if I'm going to change out my Incesticide. Pick, but I love this song and it currently sits on my list. But go ahead, why do you like it? 
but but to that i mean and you'll probably say the same thing i mean it is a different type of nirvana song um it because it it, it does it just seems to the doesn't go into the, the the vocals very quick um it builds at the very beginning then there's you know kind of the, the first chorus force and then just blows up again right but i just i just find it to be a totally a different pacing of their other songs so for that it was it was really nice to to get, get a band that it was a different song but it's still their their song so right. um that's why i love that song yeah i agree with you man it, it, like i said i might change my list there's because uh, truth be told there's about four or five songs on incesticide that are pretty much tied for me and right. this was the one i had chosen so i don't know you might throw in a wrench in my plans there but i'll just tell you I, I mean i love this song too i love kurt's kind of manic message that he's trying to get across in the song he's singing to this girl or whoever he's pining for and he's doing it kind of it's, it's cool because it's kind of like you know when you're in high school or even when you're maybe in early college years but you don't really know how to talk to chicks and you just kind of like say stuff that you think's cool Come on over. Do the twist. Yeah, come on over. Let's shoot the shit. You know, she's probably like, what the fuck you, dude? Like, what are you talking about? You know, so I love that he's kind of fumbling his way through, kind of wooing her, you know, in a way. And I also love the long intro in this song, too, which was not something that Nirvana did typically. I mean, there's like a minute and a half, maybe two minutes before he actually sings in the song. And it has that really great distorted guitar and, and, and drum beat. And this was in uh, this was when Nirvana was a five man outfit as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on in the song musically. But I love Aneurysm, man. Great pick. It sets aside a great kind of underheard album too. So make sure you guys seek that out if you have not already. Now uh, my number three was is going to be my Bleach entry. Now, okay. the last time you came on the show, I want to say, unless there was a time I'm forgetting after that, but you came on last year, a couple years ago, and we did our 80s rock albums, right. and, I, and I threw a curveball at you guys. I threw Nirvana's yeah, Bleach on it. It came out of like October of 89. You guys were like, right. okay, <laughs> right. all right. Uh, but yeah, I did it. So I love Bleach, man. I love the raw quality of this album that it literally sounds like they just recorded the first take in their garage. And they're just like, here you go. <laughs> this is what we got. <laughs> and one song really stands out in that fashion, too. Not to mention, it shows Kurt's kind of uh, wayward, his way with words and like wayward poetry. You know, okay. he was a very kind of like distinctive poet in a way where he would just talk about and his art too because he was an artist it, it, this shit that he would do and say and write and draw was so fucking weird man especially in the late 80s early 90s you see it now and you're like okay well whatever you know my fucking 10 year old draws that or whatever <laughs> <laughs> but I mean this was some outlandish shit that he was doing and one song that really jumps out at me is Floyd the Barber that's, okay yeah. that's my number three now this is a sick tune brother because yeah. 
Uh, and I mean sick in like a demented way because it tells the story. First of all, I'm from North Carolina. Right. So it's, yeah, so it, it has a, that Mayberry feel to it. Yeah. So the North Carolina kind of roots uh, really speak to me too because it's based on characters from the Andy Griffith show. And Floyd uh, was the, the town barber in Mayberry. And it tells this kind of fantastical story, kind of sick fantasy, twisted fantasy of Kurt going to get his hair cut by Floyd and how the town just kind of. I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, they kind of molest him and they kind of take advantage of him while he's in the in the barber's chair. And uh, you know, he he has this um, the bridge is I was I was shamed I was shamed by what he was going through. take turns and cut him up. Opie's there. Fucking uh, Aunt B's there. Obviously Floyd's there. And it, it's just a really like perverted, weird like thoughts that were going through his head, you know, because he would, mm-hmm. you know, I heard, I, I wrote a screenplay about Nirvana a long time ago. And when I was doing research and I was reading different things, you know, Kurt would watch reruns of the Andy Griffith show all the time. Uh, the Munsters, a lot of other like old shows from the 60s and stuff. So he's watching those reruns and, you know, we watch and it's like a wholesome family show, right? Right. <laughs> and, he's, well, <laughs> and he's got this whole fantasy about yeah, Floyd. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I mean, there's, there's a line in the song. I mean, I don't want to get too risque. Anybody that knows the song probably knows. But the, one of the verses in the song is Barney Fife ties him to the chair so he can't move. And Floyd uh, basically unzips his pants and Kurt can feel his penis on his lips, he says in the song. That's what we're talking about, guys. So he, this dude uh, developed this song and this kind of sick fantasy from watching a wholesome family television show like The Andy Griffith Show. Now, you can look at that two different ways, right? Obviously, I look at it as just like this kind of like tortured genius. Like he's just so, he's just so out. You know, he's so out. He's ready to leave the world already. And this was in 88, 89 that he wrote this. So right. you can kind of tell his mind was leaving him in a way. You know, I don't know how to really articulate what I'm trying to say there. But I feel like, you know, songs like this and some of the different artwork that came out of this time frame, you can see that he's already kind of detached from what the rest of us were doing. You know what I mean? Yes. Based on the song, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a fan of? Go ahead. You're you're laughing. So go ahead. What no, you, no, did I not arti- I didn't articulate that well enough, did I? No, no, no. It was great. I think I don't think there are words that can go. I think Kurt did it. He sang it, and I think that's it's for us to to kind of internalize afterwards and have nightmares about. But um, I do I do remember looking at the lyrics on this one and just just puzzled and right. um I, you know i think what you were saying is you know just like you know his he, he just had these these i say fantasies but almost nightmares in his head uh that he was able to to bring out and i think that may have helped him a lot but you gotta i mean you gotta think of maybe where it came from and uh, I'm, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze kurt cobain but it was uh there's there some stuff going on up there yeah and, th- you know, and I, things like uh, this really kind of like i, I don't I don't like using the term like cry for help because that's not even what I'm really trying to say. But I don't know, man. You can just, to me at least, to me, you can kind of see early signs of, okay, this guy's not really where we are. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like he's somewhere else. Um, and I think songs like this and some of the artwork that I've seen of his kind of tell that story, in my opinion. Gotcha. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. So Floyd the Barber, I do love the song. You know, you know, sick, demented, twisted fantasy aside, I love the Andy Griffith connection to it. Um, and I love, you know, and I've mentioned this before, but Nirvana in, in general has a great knack for like the juxtaposition of this wholesome Andy Griffith kind of story. And then guess what? Holy fuck, guys. <laughs> like we're, you know, we're getting molested in a barber chair here. Something's going on. So Floyd the Barber from Bleach is my number three, man. Uh, we're over to you, brother. What, what do you got next on your list of her? Okay, so I'm going to have you correct me because you are the Nirvana expert. I always thought this song came off of Bleach, mm-hmm. but I I don't think it did because it was it was a single. Um, it may have came off in, it may have come off incesticide. So um, you're going to correct me, mm-hmm. but it is a, it's a single. Um, it is a the poppiest song that they they have out there, mm-hmm. uh, and you know you know what it is right now. So I, th- I think it's um, a cover. So what's that? Is it a cover? I think I know which one you're talking about. No, 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 no. It's not a cover. Oh. Um, but it, it's it's all about how his uh, parents drop him off at his grandpa's oh, okay. grandma's house, mm-hmm. and there, there was a video for it. So it was a, I, I know it was a single, but it is Sliver. Mom and Dad went to a show. They dropped me off at Grandpa Joe's. I kicked and screamed, so please no. Just a fun little, you know, again, another two and a half, maybe three minutes at the most song that just that makes me smile every time I hear it. And it again, the lyrics are, you know, that his parents drop him off at the his grandpa grandparents house. He's got to eat his meat. He's going outside to play. And then he wakes up in his mother's arms at the end and he's screaming it. You know, so it's it goes from, again, talking in the beginning to this this guttural scream as he's, you know, in his mom's arms. So. Um, it, I, I really love it. I think it's a fun song, and it is uh, my number two Nirvana song. It's a great song. It's it's technically an incesticide track. It got I was on the cutting room floor of Bleach, and okay. what, what a lot of people don't know, we were talking in the intro, so this is interesting that this, that this is coming up again, but Dan Peters was the drummer for Mudhoney, and he performs the drums on this song, on the recorded okay. version of the song. Now, they did release a single for it, which is when it... The music video was made for it, and it got a little bit more popular. And that was Dave Grohl, and they re-recorded it with Grohl. But I thought it was interesting that Mudhoney um, supplied the drums for this song back in the day because they needed a drummer on the day they recorded the song for Bleach. And Dan right. Peters came in, did the drums just for this one song, and then you know that's it. It didn't make the album anyway, so it came back up on Incesticide later. So to your point, the answer is yes, kind of to both. It was supposed to be a Bleach track, but it ended up showing up on Incesticide. But it's a great song, and similar to your other pick for Lounge Act, is a it's a quick song it's like two minutes mm-hmm. it's like in and yeah. out yeah yeah in and out but it tells us it tells a really 
wholesome story. So the opposite of Floyd the Barber, right? <laughs> right. You have yeah, yeah the, the two two different songs that came back to back. Yeah. Holy shit! He's at his grandparents' house and getting molested by Floyd. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Boy. He's just talking about how he couldn't eat his meat in that song. He couldn't chew his steak and like right. Grandma, take me home. You know. Yeah. Sliver. Great tune. Also, I remember reading a long, long time ago. Um, you're gonna judge me, but I did. Uh, they had uh, grunge trivia night once, and oh, yeah. at this bar, and I went and did grunge trivia. This is probably like five or six years ago i don't know and um i remember uh finding out of that trivia session that i didn't know about but i found out that night that kurt purposely named the song sliver because he knew people were going to think the name of the song was silver and everybody was going to mispronounce it okay gotcha <laughs> that is something i don't doubt that he did oh that, man it's right up his alley so that's where sliver came from because if you think about it, it doesn't really make any sense with the song so it makes more sense when you know that i guess Yes. All right. Well, you had aneurysm on your list, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna what I'm gonna do just for a little like variety in the playlist that I'm gonna make to go along with this, and when people are listening back to the episode and hopefully getting introduced to possibly some new Nirvana stuff, I'm gonna pick what would be my second favorite song off Incesticide, and that is a song called "Dive," which is actually track one on Incesticide. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty heavy and pretty uh, pretty intense. It is. And, um, you know, Kurt goes, he kind of loses himself in this song because, and we've already talked about his kind of troubles and his mental state. And, you know, obviously we know that he ultimately ended up killing himself. And he was, you know, just had a lot of torturous things internally that were going on in his life personally. And in this song, which he wrote, it kind of gets to a point because the course of the song is just dive, dive, dive. I mean, he just keeps saying dive with me, dive yeah. in me. It just kind of keeps saying it over and over again. And you can kind of get a sense that as the song goes on, and this is also a pretty short tune, it's a few minutes long, how he kind of starts, you can tell there's an infusion between the word dive and the word die. At least I do. Um, and he kind of starts like pronouncing it a little bit differently where he's like, die with me. Uh, and that's kind of speaking to what he was going through too which i've mentioned a couple times before but this is a perfect why i love this song so much man aside from from that is because it starts this album off and these are b-sides these are rarities you know these are real kind of like raw tracks that didn't make albums for them this number dive and really a lot of album or a lot of songs on this album are very poppy in, in the way that they sound as, as you're listening. Like, that. like if you're not paying attention to the lyrics, and you're just kind of listening to what's going on, what's coming out of the speakers, it's a very poppy sound, you know? Kurt, right, Kurt, right, right. We've mentioned the Beatles a few times tonight. You know, Kurt has openly said that he borrowed from bands like that, and they had such a 
you know, a knack for writing just the perfect chorus that was an earworm that everybody was going to get hooked on, you know, regardless of what the deep meaning of the verses might be. And that's mm-hmm. what Dive does, in my opinion. You know, he's like, pick me, pick me, yeah. And he's just kind of like singing this like, but then, like I said, he's saying, die with me by the end of the song, you know. So it's a very deep journey that he goes on as a songwriter um, but if you're just listening to it and you're not really paying attention to it you know you're not hearing it but you're just listening to it uh, you hear this kind of like poppy number and I love Nirvana just has such a knack for doing that man this would be my second favorite tune off of Incessant Side aneurysm truthfully was my pick here but I just a little variety just to mix it up a little oh yeah bit. yeah you like and, this and I, yeah no, I love the song and and to your point I thought he said die for the longest time right. and I it was I, I was one of those that I had to remind myself Myself to go back to the title of the song mm-hmm. because it, it does you don't know where dive and die right. and he could say dive the whole time but he really i mean there, there is that uh that little bit of change in some of the the words that, or the in the the uh inflection mm-hmm. that you could definitely hear that die part but uh yeah no great song yeah that a little distorted uh voice kind of thing in there it was uh, no wonderful wonderful great song off incesticide Thanks, man. So that's uh, my incesticide pick since you stole aneurysm from me, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I have not, if you if you notice, I have not had a song off of Nevermind yet. So hang I, tight. I, I did notice that. Hang tight. Hang tight. All right, man. So before we do that, why don't you reveal to us what you got over there, buddy? Okay. So my number one is back off of uh, Nevermind. So I had, you know, again, went with my gut, went with the, the songs that I really, really love right now. And from what I, I've read, you know, some, some things as we we're getting ready for this. Um, but from what I read, uh, this was Kurt said that this would was a better song than Smells Like Teen Spirit. And he kind of thought that this was going to be like their, their big hit off of there. If you know, in his little way, my number one song is Drain You. One baby to another says I'm lucky to meet you. Never mind. Good um, so, I mean, you talk about catchy and just kind of, you know, just just easy to listen to, and then that little break that they have, and there it is just, and it's building up and building up and building up, and then just the end, and it's just, you know, again, I, I said it before, it's just like chaos. It's just everything's going on, and you know, uh, you know, Chris is on the bass, and and Dave obviously is just, you know, just all over the drum set, and just Kurt coming back into it. It is absolutely my favorite song uh by nirvana you know hands down i think there i don't I, there, there's a lot of close ones but that one just every time if you you know i i go back to that one that's the first song if i haven't listened to nirvana for a while that's the first song i go back to just to kind of get me back into to the swing of things well that's cool yeah they were known to open a lot of their sets with this tune too right um, they would open their a lot of their shows with this song back in the you know when nirvana, or when nevermind was at its popular uh, height of its popularity this is a great tune man and it's one of the more distinct songs that come off of that 
I love the beginning of that tune, how Kurt just kind of takes ownership of that song with his voice pretty much right away. And right. then the rest of it just kind of comes in, you know, everything kind of comes into focus as that song goes on. He doesn't, you know, Nirvana would start, I would say probably 80%, I'm just throwing that number out there, but probably 80% of their catalog starts more with the musical backing and then Kurt comes in later. But Drain You and a couple other ones, you know, he really starts the whole thing off, which is not something they did very often. So I do love Drain You, man. It's a great tune. I didn't expect that to fall at your number one. I'm surprised by that, but I love it. Oh, good pick. Well, a little bit, little, little bit of a deep cut. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't one of their singles or anything, so a little bit of a deep cut. I like that. Now, you mentioned my number one already, man. It's Lounge Act. Oh, nice. Dude, I love, dude, I fucking, if there, this is the song right here for me, especially off of Nevermind. This is, this is the song from Nevermind for me. And you said it beautifully, exactly what I would have said, uh, is that this song is told in three parts. Mm-hmm. And it's a two and a half minute song. Now, each part, the story is the same right but mm-hmm. the emotion from the storyteller is different and you can see how the hierarchy of his psyche as the song goes on is going from a very like quiet almost whisper honestly to the end of the song where it's just like this lunacy being unleashed where he's literally just screaming and you know we mentioned at the top how we weren't doing unplugged songs but that's one of the things I love about his cover of Where Did You Sleep Last Night is that it's very beautiful and haunting and slow and chill and the last you know verse that song he just loses it and he's just like screaming at us and right. the, the same thing can be said for lounge acts and i had read or heard i should say i heard uh on a, on a story many many years ago that when they recorded the song that was not supposed to be the way the song was recorded kurt yelled that last verse uh and they kept it that was what butch vig kept the producer when he when he put nevermind together so that was not supposed to go down that way and the emotion kind of got the better of kurt is what that tells me talking about and they kept it and that's what that's what we have thank god but i just love the emotionality of him as a singer in this song how it it you know like you said perfectly starts really chill right next verse is like he's getting a little you know something's going on here he's getting a little you can feel <laughs> something grow <laughs> yeah you can feel something kind of brewing right and then the last verse is just like fuck it i'm gonna yell at you you know and i love that i love i love just the manic lunacy that comes out in this tune from from kurt's voice the music is great it starts with an awesome bass line by nova 
Shellac at the beginning of this tune. Uh, the song is about Bikini Kills Toby Vale. I don't know if you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I did. But they were dating for uh, you know several years before Nirvana got big, and this that's when this song was written. Um, she she had a lot to do with a lot of the songwriting on on Nevermind actually, which is really cool. But yeah, I love this song, man. Lounge Act is it for me. Uh, the title Lounge Act, I can't remember if you mentioned, but it came from <laughs> when they were writing the song. Chris, the bass player, would just play these like dun 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 dun, and uh, right. and Kurt would be like, "Sounds like fucking lounge music," you know. So that's what they named the lounge act. So there you go. Nice. Yeah. So nice. I love this song, man. It's, it's my number one favorite Nirvana song, and you know, unlike some of the others off Nevermind, like um, like Teen Spirit that you mentioned, and some that I that I'll hold back in case you're going to talk about them. Uh, this one, for some reason, ironically, just doesn't get old. Like you know, obviously, I haven't heard this one as much as like Teen Spirit, for example, but it just endures with me. Like every time I hear it, I'm like, especially because Lounge Act, you feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, Wiz, but you feel like maybe not everybody knows this song. So right. when, when it comes on, you're like, hey, I was fucking guys, you got to fucking hear this. Listen <laughs> to this shit, you know? And, right? Right. And, and uh, you can't do that with like Teen Spirit because everybody's fucking heard Teen Spirit. You know what I mean? So well, I, well, I think the that, that two minute thing, you don't get, it's like it, it leaves you wanting more. Mm-hmm. So that two minute song that you really love, you're like, man, I wish that was five minutes. But if it was five minutes, maybe you would have overplayed it. And maybe you, <laughs> right. you would have heard it too many times. Right. But but that, that two minute song, and I've got a couple of those that, you know, that I love, you know, <laughs> by Nirvana, but some other bands that I'm just like, man, I love that song. And I've heard it a hundred, you know, a thousand times. Yeah. But it's because it's two minutes. It's like it's over. And you're like, OK, just want some more. Right. So that could be part of the, you know, kind of that uh, that two minute ditty that they did that uh, really wants you, you know, leaves you more, you know, you wanting more. Yeah, you might be onto something there, man. And it definitely leaves me wanting more every time I hear it. So I think you're right. So Lounge Act, we cross up there. It's my number one. And that's my Nevermind entry in my top five. So Wiz, thanks, man. That's our uh, top five Nirvana songs. I think we got some great representation there. We had a little bit of crossover, but that's OK. They got some they got some bangers in their catalog. They now, do. I round out my top 10, as you know, uh, we're going to head over to social media and open up the suggestion box in a minute we had some nirvana fans shout out some of their favorite songs but before we do that what are your honorable you got some honorable mentions i assume right? i i do and in utero is actually represented there so um i would say i've got uh three or two off in utero and that'd be heart-shaped box and i know it's mm-hmm. again that the reason i picked that one is just like smells like teen spirit they it's an uh, kind of an iconic song off of that album or it is the i think i would say the uh, iconic song off of that album sure. uh, uh mainstream wise but they just got off of making the biggest album you know of the 90s right. and then they came back and made just a phenomenal like you you said masterpiece mm-hmm. but what they did after that success and coming out with such a great sophomore you know i say sophomore album because it's the they're you know, uh, you know, I wouldn't say incesticide. It's kind of the, the B sides, but their sophomore album, and to come out with that great of an album was, you know, with the expectations was phenomenal. So, Heart Shape Box is uh, kind of the teen or the smells like teen spirit of that album. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm giving some credit there. Uh, rape me, which I think is, mm-hmm. um, it's obviously an anti-rape song, but it sure. is it, just a great, you know punk song it's yeah. just you know start start to finish i've also got scoff off of bleach good one uh Mo- molly's lips which which is a cover <laughs> but yeah. the you know it's it's the, they made it their own another, and they recorded a an, studio another poppy one another one where yeah. he does this like pop british pop number you know it's yep. crazy that he's able to to pull that off and that's another one yeah and then finally uh on my honorable mention would be school off of uh bleach which is uh i guess the least poppy of my list so far 
That's a great one, man. And uh, that one almost made my honorable mentions um, as well, because I love the simplicity of that song, because I feel like school is a song that literally existed just so they could just fucking like shred. Because yeah. <laughs> there's, I mean, like, there's only like one line in the song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no recess. recess. That's, it. Yep. <laughs> That's it. And I, I was know. just, again, I think like you, I was listening to a lot of Nirvana getting ready for this. And I, I was just getting out of the shower, Bluetooth speaks on, and I'm just screaming, no recess. And, yeah. and I am just an old ass man yelling that. So <laughs> we need recess, Wiz. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Lots of it. Oh, man. All right. So to round out my top 10, I'll tell you what, aneurysm was, is going to have to fall here since I switched it out with dive. So that would be my number, my number six. My number seven would have been come as you are. Um, you know, coming off of the success of Smells Like Teen Spirit, who would have thought they would have ever been able to match the popularity of that song in terms of like airplay and and number of singles sold and stuff like that? But they did, and they mm-hmm. did it with this kind of like love ballad almost. It was really right. it was really strange, and it does it again where it's like a love ballad for two thirds of the song, and then at the end, by the end of it, he's just lost his goddamn mind, which is another <laughs> reason why I love that song so much. You mentioned school, so I'm going to say negative creep. Negative, okay. negative creep would be my number eight off of Bleach. Another simplistic tune that just gives them an, an excuse to just kick ass. Number nine would have been a song called Lithium, also off of Nevermind. <laughs> I take Lithium with me everywhere because in my mind, because I always remember the MTV Video Music Awards performance. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah, where he got cracked in the head. Yeah, where Christopher Selle threw his guitar <laughs> up in the air and then it yep. fell down and hit him on the head because it's fucking dumbass, you know? Oh, man. And they were in a feud with Guns N' Roses at that. Do you remember that back back in the yes. day? <laughs> so that was all happening um, at the same time. And I just remember Lithium so well because they just that was one of the great performances. If you guys get a chance to look it up on YouTube, just look up Nirvana Lithium from the MTV Awards. I don't know the year, but I want to say it was like probably 92 or 93. Yeah, uh, probably in there. Absolutely fucking one of the best live performances on TV I've ever seen. And ironically, I just mentioned the Guns N' Roses feud. I don't know if you know this bit of history. When I wrote my screenplay, I found this out. But uh, Duff from Guns N' Roses was the last person to see Kurt alive that we, uh, that I, we know of. I, I think I did know that. I think I... I, I heard some interviews with duff yeah. who's it awesome um that, that that was he was one of the last people yeah crazy man so uh and then my number 10 to round it out would have been from in utero which we already both are in agreement that's a masterpiece it's a tune called milk it from mm-hmm. in utero love that song love dude you talk about like pulse pounding like drums and heavy metal guitar i mean it was really a standout track on in utero which is saying a lot because they didn't hold back on in utero and right. uh milk it was just balls to the wall similar to like serve the servants which is another tune i love off that album so that's that would have rounded out my top 10. You want to open the suggestion box? What's in the box, Gerald? What's in the box? What's in the box? All right, Wiz, so you know what we're going to do, man. We're going to open up the old suggestion box. You know what I mean? Okay. We're, we're going to yeah. see what the uh, fans had to say over on the Facebook fan page. And I know you're an old dude, so either you don't know how to use social media anymore or you left it for some reason, probably because of politics. <laughs> But you're not on there, so you probably don't. I, I am not, and probably for both reasons, uh, old oh, and politics. Man. Yeah, you, so anyway, I was going to say you haven't seen these yet, but uh, let's see what the fans have to say. Uh, Chris Green, friend of the show, says, This is boring, but he has got to say smells like teen spirit. And okay. I think we both agree. With, I mean, you got to. I mean, if it's, it, I think it's the same reason I picked yeah, it. Sure. It's, it's because it's boring, but it's the right It's the right thing to do. Absolutely. I'm surprised you, you didn't do it, Gerald. You have to I'm, do I'm it. Actually, I'm actually disappointed in you. Well, we would have talked about it. I had, I had a plan in my mind. <laughs> Wiz. So I said, well, Wiz is probably not going to pick it. I'm not going to pick it because uh, it's not one of my personal favorites, you know? So I'm right. trying, to, trying to be true to my list. But I had this whole thing in my head where when we got to this point, the honorable mentions, we were going to have a discussion about the impact of that song. But then you saved me from having to do that because you picked it. 
Thank you. So thank you. Uh, thank <laughs> You're you, buddy. welcome. I'm thank, sorry. Yeah, You're thank, welcome. Yeah, thank you. There you go. Uh, Jared Taylor, who's a top-level patron of the show, friend of the show, says heart-shaped box. And uh, let's see. Uh, Emily from the story behind says that that was her first Nirvana song. That was how she was introduced to them. She saw the video and was fascinated right away. And okay. uh, Jared agrees and says, yes, that video was very striking. I can't remember the director on that video, but I feel like uh, it was somebody that went on to make movies, I think. I think. Yeah, it wasn't. Samuel Bear did Teen Spirit, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember either, but I think it was somebody that ended up being a filmmaker. Was it uh, the uh, Alfonso, the guy that did um, uh, uh, Losing My Religion, Alfonso? Somebody? Oh, shit, I know who you're talking about. Was it him? Yeah. It, it may actually have been him. You're right. I think it was him, actually. Uh, our listeners were like shaking their fists like, you dumbass. Yeah, it's, it's blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we're like, okay. Uh, They've got Google. We don't. Google's a thing. I get it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm on Facebook right now, guys. I can't look that shit <laughs> up right now. Uh, Paul Chomo, friend of the show, says, Smell like teen spirit killed hair metal and fundamentally changed rock music. It is hard to overstate how important that song is. And on top of that is a damn good song, possibly their best. So I can't agree to disagree. Uh, yeah, but I mean, he's right as far as the importance, though. <laughs> the, the, that's the agree part. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think in their catalog, I mean, I, again, I threw it up there just because I think the <laughs> the be, it being iconic. Yeah. But I think we, you and I have just both mentioned, you know, a bunch of other songs that I think maybe are better overall songs. It just had the, t- the timing was perfect. Yeah, of that song. I think what you have to do with Teen Spirit almost in a way, at least for dudes our age or that grew up in the 90s, is how did you feel the first time you heard it? Because oh, yeah. there's nothing like that. I mean, there's no song in their catalog or frankly any catalog from any band I've ever heard that affected me as a music fan the way Teen Spirit did when it came along in my life. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. hearing it a thousand times or whatever since then, it's never going to have that same impact. But if you're able to take yourself back to that place, I mean, nothing like it. I mean, that, yeah. and that's why I wonder, you know, that's why I wonder when I like introduced it to my daughter, you know, for the first time, I don't know how old she was, but I just, I wonder if I'd waited till she was like in her angst years, like, okay, listen to this now. Do you know what I mean? How that would have registered with her. I mean, I'm sure I played it for her when she was like eight or whatever. You know? I, no, I was going to say, you put, I, I could see you with the headphones on the, the, the belly. <laughs> I just did like... that actually. You're right. Now that I, now that you mentioned it, uh, we had a couple people pissed off over in the fan community whiz because we're not doing uh, live performances. My friend Michael was a patron of the show says not unplugged with like 50 question marks i go no man we're not doing it um let's see so what, what, wait a second Joe. what would be what, what's your one favorite live song give, give me one favorite well one that I, they did. well i think it's been uh recorded on this show actually when we did our favorite grunge songs but my favorite song of theirs period is uh where did you sleep last night okay uh their rendition of that at unplugged and how kurt is basically saying goodbye to the world in my opinion I felt like he knew what he was going to do, which happened, I don't know, maybe six months after that was recorded. Right. Um, So just the powerfulness around like, you know, why he chose to sing these songs that weren't Nirvana songs, you know, that one, of course, but I mean, Bowie's track and uh, which is my, which is my favorite. Yeah, that's a good one, man. And that actually got mentioned here by uh, Becca, who's a patron of the show. She says it was going to be man who sold the world, but now she's going to think about it. And she she never came back with anything else. So I think get get back to us, Becca, (laughs) Uh, Hannah, recent guest and friend of the show says something in the way 
That's a good one. Okay, yeah. That's the subdued kind of like solo number almost on yeah. Never, never mind. And uh, she also told me a fun story about how she went to a wedding that was near Aberdeen. So she decided to drive by Kurt's old childhood home. And then she put up a picture of a memorial they have there in the town for him, which I thought was great. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then uh, let's see. Josh, patron of the show, says Sliver is his favorite. Runner-ups include Polly, About a Girl, Lithium, Territorial Pissings, and Dumb. Also, Love Buzz, which is a great cover. Uh, yes. We didn't we didn't mention About a Girl. How do you, how do you feel about that one? That's a great tune, man. Yeah, no, I, I like that tune. And, and just going back to Love Buzz, that that was a that made a kind of resurgence in the the mid '90s too. That was that was kind of a big song for for a couple days there. Mm-hmm. A couple movies had it going on there. I agree. I agree. We've got a few more here. David Powell, patron and friend of the show, says Lounge Act, Lithium, and In Bloom, which is another single that we didn't mention off of Nevermind. In right. Bloom was a great video with when they were like on the Johnny Carson show in the 50s, yeah. 60s, or whatever. <laughs> I love that Nirvana. shit. Nirvana. Nirvana. <laughs> I love that shit. Uh, Travis Crawford also mentioned In Bloom, followed closely by Lithium. Matt Lewinsky says, go F yourself if you're not including live performances. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. That was from our buddy, Matt. I don't think that's a tune. I think he's actually telling me to go F myself. Uh, Let's see. Oh, how about this uh, shot? uh, Shampoo, friend of the show. Love shampoo, but I don't know about this. He says, anything by the Foo Fighters. Uh, I don't know, man. Come on, shampoo. Shampoo. Oh, man. We go on this show together. Brian and I, Brian Shampoo and I have been on his other podcast together, and there's a hashtag trending over there, shut up shampoo. I think that's what I'm going to throw at him right now. Hashtag, yeah, please do. Hashtag yeah, uh, shut up shampoo. <laughs> don't hate, don't hate the Foo Fighters, but uh, I mean they're definitely not Nirvana. Yeah, I know, man. Uh, let's see, Nick Haskins, good buddy of mine, runs the live stream for the Cure this year. Make sure you guys look that information up. I'm going to be throwing that in the show notes, and we probably had a promo for that on this episode. Actually, he's got even in his youth, which is a, a good callback. Penny mm-hmm. royalty, something in the way, Tourette's. Negative Creep and Lounge Act. So Lounge Act getting quite a bit of love, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think uh, you know, if anybody's, you know, listened to a couple of their albums, uh, that, that one just sticks out. I think, I mean, you, uh, it could have been my number one, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, for really sure. Good song. For sure. Uh, Joey DiCarlo from the So Wizard podcast has got Sliver, About a Girl, Aneurysm, Drain You, and his number one is Verse, Chorus, Verse. So sappy. Okay, sappy. Go. Yeah, good one. And then we'll end on my buddy Larkin. Used to work with this dude. Love him. Saw many live concerts with this guy before. I know he's a big fan. So I was actually interested in what his picks were. And here's what he's got. He's got Scentless Apprentice, Something in the Way, Come As You Are. And he says he can barely listen to that anymore because it's just so played out come as you are but that would right. be that would be his favorite otherwise all right so there you go thank you guys so much for the feedback those of you that shouted out my favorite band of all time and i guess one that Wiz kind of likes now <laughs> <laughs> enjoy them tolerate them all right man so uh chris Wiz is on the show and you know this part of the show Wiz, we're supposed to uh, promote something but i don't know do you want I'm, to promote I'm, like I'm, your childcare business you have going on pro- yeah nothing to promote <laughs> nothing to promote just uh oh, just a dad in uh, just uh, the middle america well look man i can't wait till all this covid shit blows over so we can hopefully uh get together again and knock back a couple yeah, coke colas you know what i mean do something like that yeah. and uh enjoy each other's company uh, send my best to the kids and allison and everybody else that, i don't know who else lives with you but anybody else <laughs> let them know as well <laughs> Uh, but I, re- I really appreciate it, man. I appreciate you coming on to do this. Oh, no. I appreciate that. I, I love that you invited me for this topic because uh, I know how what it means to you. So uh, it was it was an honor to, uh, to get the invite. So thank you very much, Gerald. Absolutely, man. Thanks for being here. All right, guys. We will be back next week, and we will have another Top 5 and another P on the Pod. Everybody take care.
Thank you for listening. Two Peas is an independent podcast. We rely on donations from our executive producers in order to release new content weekly. Please check the show notes for a current list of all of our executive producers. If you would like to join them to help us continue to release great content, please visit Two Peas on a Pod at patreon.com or check out the show notes for this episode. Again, we sincerely thank you for listening.